A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, guys, and welcome back to a new episode of Uni Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I'm so glad you're here. I am the host, and I am a therapist that lives in Nashville. But before we get started, I want to remind everybody that just because I'm a therapist and this podcast is called Uni Therapy, this does not serve and cannot serve as a substitute for therapy itself. However, my hope is always that the stuff that you hear here and the conversations that are started on this podcast might help you get into therapy or might help you talk about something new in your own therapy process if you're already in therapy. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a poll on Instagram or did a question box and asked what topics you guys wanted to hear more about on the podcast. And I got a lot of different answers and I'm going to do a lot of the episodes that you guys requested over time. But the top three were an episode on purity culture, an episode on ADHD, and episodes on singleness. And singleness was the top requested topic for the podcast, which I thought was really interesting because in my head, I felt like I've done so much content around singleness. But then I looked back and I was like, wait a second, I have like an episode a long time ago and I've talked about it here and there, but we don't really have a lot of actual dedicated to singleness content. I've recently talked about closure, dating, heartbreak, but not about singleness itself. So that is what we're talking about today. Now, with that as a topic, there's like so much ground to cover, right? So we could go a lot of places when it comes to the whole, I guess, subject of being single. So from my experience, the most content that I have seen, absorbed, heard, any of that involves tips and feedback on how to become unsingle or how to find satisfaction in your life despite being single, like how to sit in the waiting period of actually having the life you want. So before I really begin today, I'm going to start off with a challenge for everyone listening. So without any judgment towards yourself, like none at all, when I ask you what to think of, I want you to think of the first two things that come to your brain. When you hear the word single in relation to dating or marriage, what comes up? 
when you think about being single, what do you think? If you think about single people, what do you think? Without editing those thoughts, I want you to write down the first two thoughts in order somewhere before you listen to the rest of this podcast. And then bonus points, if you will send those things to me, pause this podcast, write them down, send them to me, and then finish the podcast. Because I want to hear your unfiltered, like before I hear the rest of this episode thoughts. I might share those later. Of course, they'll be anonymous like everything. So what I know to be true is that the world is set up for single people to show up as incomplete, which is why the majority of the content we have around singleness makes sense to me. Like, of course, like if that's how we view singles, then the content we're going to have around that is either how to not be this or how to cope with how sad and how much it must suck to be in this if you are. Being single is often, often, often assumed or experienced as a burden, a punishment, just something basically totally undesirable. So they're seen as less than. And even if you don't think you think that, you probably do. Even if you don't want to think that, you might. If we're being honest, I bet a lot of people had thoughts like the things that I just said when you guys wrote that stuff down. Like, I feel bad for them. Life must be hard. They must be sad. I wonder why they aren't married, which is very different than I wonder why they chose to be single. It's more around like, what are they doing wrong that's keeping them single? I also think it's really, really, really interesting that single people can often be looked at as immature. And this is really heavy in like Christian and religious cultures and places and spaces that single people are looked as like immature younger, which I find this hilarious that like there are places where if you're 23 and you're married, you're treated more like an adult than somebody who's like 35 and single. And I bet a lot of people have also experienced this. Imagine going on a vacation with your family, like your extended family, or if you have gone on a vacation with your extended family, I want you to just think about who gets the rooms to themselves and who gets put in the twin beds or the bunk bedroom. Is it by age? Is it by financial success? Or is it by your relationship status? Because in my family, it's relationship status. I'm 32. This past summer, I was 31 and went on vacation with my family and I was in the room with the twin beds with my cousin, who's I think like 23, which is fine. I had a great time. I enjoyed my vacation, but it is interesting how there's this immediate connotation that they can go be in here and they can spend their vacation sharing this room. They won't mind. It doesn't matter because they're single. It had nothing to do with our age. Single people also aren't treated the same when it comes to their time. Boundaries are less likely to be understood by someone who's single with no kids because they don't have a family and kids to go home to and take care of. So what possibly could they be doing? The expectation is that they can do more in all areas of life. She's busy. She has a family versus she's single. She can do it as if we all aren't out here fighting the hustle culture standards. Side note, with all of that also, Your free time is not your availability regardless. That's a whole other subject, but just how to say that, how to get that in. So while this is often how unpartnered people in America are seen, the actual reality is being single is actually becoming increasingly more popular. According to a Counseling Today article, the Pew Research Center found that in 2019, 38% of American adults between the ages of 25 and 54 were not married or living with a romantic partner. Now, we're comparing this to only 29% being unpartnered in 1990. So that's an 11% increase from 30 years ago. 
Plus, the number of married adults fell from 67% to 53 between 1990 and 2019. And the percentage of people who were cohabitating with partners rose just a little bit from 4% to 9%. Also with that, the share of adults who have never been married jumped from 17 to 33% during that same time period. So that means married people are decreasing and it's not because divorce is increasing. Less people are getting married. The growth in the unpartnered population from 1990 to 2019 has come from the rise in the number of people who have just never been married. And it may not feel this way depending on what part of the country you live in, but people are also getting married later. In an article from Business Insider containing the title, The American Economy Punishes Single People, which I thought that the titles, guys, from the the articles that I was reading for this episode were funny, but like in a sad way. I'll read a couple more later, but to start, the American economy punishes single people. So in this article, Andy Kiers, I don't really know how to say his last name, so that's what we're going with, reported that in 2019, just 51% of 30-year-olds had been married. In 1962, that was 90%. And it was still above 60% in 2000, which is so interesting to me because the last 20 years have been filled with countless new ways of meeting people and opportunities to put a partner and meeting a partner on your priority list. We have like 5 million dating apps and the stigma of using those apps has significantly decreased. Now, the origination of Tinder in the first place came from the intention of making dating more accessible for those who don't have much time to go out and meet people because we're like bumping up against dating in the hustle culture that millennials are being sucked into that we talked about a couple weeks ago. So I found this article from The Takeaway where this man, Eric Kleinberg, who is the author of Going Solo, The Extraordinary Rise and Surprising Appeal of Living Alone was quoted saying, it's actually probably easier to meet people now more than ever before. If you think about all the great, incredible technologies we have to connect, but one big issue is people today are really looking for their soulmate and they're not going to compromise. In addition to holding out for a soulmate, Kleinberg says that many people aren't settling down with someone because of society's changing culture. It's becoming legitimate and viable to be single for a long period of time, he says. That's never been the case before. And I agree with part of what he's saying, but I don't agree with all of it. And if you go back and listen to the episode I did on dating apps last year, you'll hear some of my griping around how I think dating apps are awesome. I think they're great. They've worked for me. It's actually how I've met my current boyfriend. At the same time, they've really punished us in a lot of ways and they've made dating really, really hard. And this part where he says it's becoming legitimate and viable to be single for a long period of time. I think that's questionable. And I think that depends on who you're asking, what part of the country you're asking it in, what age of person you're asking it in, and the background and the privilege of the person that you're asking it to. Because, for example, in an article from 2021 titled The Escalating Cost of Being Single in America, and Helen Peterson, who, if she sounds familiar, it's because she wrote the article from the hustle culture around millennials and burnout. So she basically explained why being single can feel almost impossible financially now. And in this article, you can look at maybe you can get by in certain circumstances, depending on your background and your privilege and all of that. But it is becoming really, really hard to meet financial goals that partnered people and married people can reach a lot more easily. And single people are coming up against roadblock, against roadblock, against roadblock, just economically. This has nothing to do with the like 
cultural and emotional stigmatization there is around being single. So in this article, she says 28% of U.S. households have one person. Back in 1960, that was just 13%. And an additional 11 million households are headed by a single parent, a number that has tripled since 1965. Women live significantly longer and over their lifetime make less money. Men, as a general rule, are far more likely to be single when they're young, marry later, or for a second time, and stay married until their deaths. The reverse is true for women. They're more likely to marry young, but then they end up divorced or widowed and living alone as they age. Given these and other trends, including the high cost of aging, the fact that women, and black women in particular, make significantly less money over their lifetimes, it is women, and again, black women in particular, who often bear the biggest financial load of single life. So where this one person is saying it's becoming more legitimate and viable to be single for a long period of time, other people are finding it's becoming really, really hard, like a lot harder economically to be single, specifically if you're a woman. And I really, really encourage reading the article that all the articles that I mentioned today, but specifically this one by Anne Helen Peterson. And I'm going to link it in the notes because she talks a lot about stuff that was like very eye-opening to me that I don't have the expertise to really speak of on this podcast because it's more about like finances and economics and politics. But I'm going to link it because I want you guys to read it because it was very helpful for me to understand like, oh, what really is going on behind the scenes here? And yeah, the emotional part is what I can speak to, but this financial part plays into the emotional part, I think, to an extent. Actually, not to an extent, it definitely does. And while I think the younger generations are grasping onto the idea that life can be good without a partner, the messages that they are continuously receiving over and over from the older generations and from like our collective culture don't help make that idea tangible, a tangible reality for them because they are reminded right when it's starting to settle in or they're starting to really be okay with this or that. They're reminded by judgment that's around them all the time that they're missing out with every have you met somebody question or why are you single or I can't believe you're single as if like that can't be something that somebody would want. Hey guys, Kat here and I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick or you just need a little extra boost, I think I found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you You Need Therapy after you check out. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
and with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So interestingly enough, Kleinberg from the above article before I started talking about Peterson's stated that his research showed that people who live alone are actually more likely to volunteer in civic organizations than people who are married. They're also more likely to spend time with friends and with neighbors. And of course, they're a big reason that there's so much activity and vitality in the public areas of cities today. They're not people who are self-involved, sitting on the couch, just buying things on eBay. They're really a crucial part of modern social life. So I love that he added that because, again, I was like, "Mm, I don't sure if you're getting this all right. And then he added that. And I was like, yes, that needs to be said. People need to hear that. And people need to know that, that singles are actually a really, really important part of our culture, our society, and a lot of the things that are happening. While we have this notion that we need people to be in relationships and we need families and we need this, we also really, really, really need single people because they offer something that people who are married and partnered can't offer, which speaks to something that Peterson said in her Vox article that I'm going to link, of course. She said, single people should, in theory, be the purest embodiment of American values of self-sufficiency and individualism. That they're not speaks to the fact that we don't venerate the individual. We venerate the individual family. The family fosters the conditions for the individual's success. The spouse helps create the conditions that make success possible. Children, at least theoretically, keep the individual grounded, focused, and humble, which is why so many narratives of individual success either start with that family already firmly in place or 
as in the case with so many rom-coms and memoirs from Sex in the City to How to Be Single, end there. And this is me, cat talking. As someone who sits with a lot of single clients, I feel like I have a very unique and privileged understanding of what it's really like to be part of this population, at least in the South. There is something to be said about how others, and I've been talking about this this whole episode, about how others may view or treat single people, the things that they say and the things that are not just painful and rude, but cringy when you hear them. Sometimes I just wish I could record and play the stories that I hear from my clients. Now, I never would do that ever, ever, ever. So don't worry. But I wish I could because I'm like, if people only knew the depths of the things that people are saying, we all would be like, what is happening? There is an overwhelmingly popular belief out there that it is inconceivable that someone could possibly be single and also be okay. Yet the same people who hold that belief tell their single friends things like, it'll happen when you least expect it. So maybe when you stop wanting it, it'll just show up. Okay, that makes no sense because you're also telling me, maybe not verbatim with your words, but with how our whole society operates, you're telling me that it is inconceivable to understand how anybody could want to be single, but then you're also telling me the road to be single is to like not want to be single. What in the actual hell? And maybe some of the people that are doing this have no idea that they're doing this. And I, I actually believe that, but this is what's happening. I hear it over and over and over and it's very confusing and it's very hard for the single person to figure out what they're supposed to think, feel, believe, what's right, what they're supposed to want, what they want actually matches with what they authentically want because of what the world's telling them. It's a whole mind and I'm going to withhold saying the bad word there, but jumble. We're going to say the word jumble. Anne also wrote in her article, some single people love being single. Some are fairly ambivalent about it. Others despise it. None of those postures are made easier when your way of life is implicitly and explicitly understood as a sort of cultural and financial backwater to be avoided at all cost. If we want to start thinking about how to make it easier for single people to find financial stability, we have to start to understand single life as something that's not just thinkable, not just survivable, but actually desirable. And Anne's article was clearly about the financial burdens that single adulthood bears. But I think that paragraph speaks to all areas of singleness. All of this in my eyes begs the question, does everyone really want to be in a relationship or is that all we know? If all the content I can find about singleness is either how to stop being single or how to cope with being single or what to do when you wait to not be single, Can I even register that maybe, maybe I don't need to cope with this. Maybe it's not a plague. Maybe it's actually a really fun way to live life that people can willingly choose and be content in and even happy with. And maybe it's a part of our society that we really need and we really need to start valuing. Because I think that there's a whole conversation around the credit that we fail to give to these people. We look at them as second-class citizens not on purpose. And I think that there is a conversation that needs to be had around the credit we fail to give to these people, these people that we look at as second-class citizens, that we look at as adults who haven't matured yet, that we look at with pity, with confusion, when in reality, they are some of the most important parts of our culture. They are people that have to, whether it's by choice or not, they still have to overcome the judgments and the roadblocks that are put on them just by their relationship status through people, through religious organizations, through financial institutions, by our general economy. Now, I also know that 
it's legitimate that some people aren't choosing to be single. Some people really just don't want to be single. Some people want to be in relationships. That is a thing. I'm not saying that that's not. What I'm saying is spending all our energy trying to console someone or fix this quote problem for them, I don't think is always helpful. It definitely can be helpful, but if it's all we do, I think it can become one of those things that ends up hurting a lot of people more than helping. And just like I am so excited, like extremely excited, cannot wait for the day that people can just post pictures of their bodies at any size without gaining the label brave as if it has to take courage to exist in a body outside of a size four. I cannot wait for the day that existing as a single person doesn't get followed up with messages like, well, when you meet someone, he's just going to be so great because you've waited for so long. Like we need to be consoled. Like I'm going to be rewarded because I've sat in this place that must be miserable for so long. As if it's unimaginable that someone can enjoy spending the majority of their life completely independent of relationship. I cannot wait for that day. And with all of that, with everything that I've said today, we have to start to acknowledge the nuance that there is and generalizing the messages we send in this category. The dating advice will just never, ever, 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 ever make sense to me as a therapist. Yes, some people can benefit from feedback, personal feedback, that is personal feedback. There are too many personalities out there to ever be able to give generalized feedback tips and tricks for dating. Because as much as I actually love telling my clients as they are pleading with me to tell them what's wrong with them so that they can fix it, there's nothing wrong with you. I love saying that because they are not hearing that out in the world. And it is true. As much as I love saying that, I wish I didn't have to do it. I really wish that that was a question that I never had to answer again. But the more we continue to send the sole message that single is less than, the more single people are going to deplete their love for themselves by asking over and over and over, what's wrong with me? Because if single is being less than and I'm single, something must be wrong with me. Tell me what it is. I want to fix it. And if you are in the millennial generation and you're in that hustle culture generation, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, then you're going to double down on this because if there's a problem and it's fixable, you're going to do everything in your power to fix it. And you are going to read every book. You're going to listen to every podcast. You're going to watch every show. You're going to talk to every therapist until you figure out what that thing is. And the thing is, a lot of times there's nothing wrong with you. We just live in a place and we're surrounded by people who can't comprehend that being single can be valuable, fun, good. But if we keep getting these messages that it's not and it can't be, and it's a consolation prize, we're going to want to continue to figure out how to not get the consolation prize. We want the actual prize. We want like the trip to Mexico. We don't want the trip to Gatlinburg. And if you don't live in Tennessee, you don't know where Gatlinburg is. It's in the mountains and it's a fun place to go, but I would much rather go on an all expense paid trip to Cancun. And that might be a weird metaphor to use, but that's what we're going to close with. So with all of this being said today, I really just wanted to start a conversation, not about how hard it is to be single in our world, but about how messed up it is that we present this idea that it must be so hard for somebody to be single in this world because life can be really good, whether you're in a relationship or not. And I want that message to be said more. And I also, at the same time, don't want that message to have to be said more. But I think it needs to get a push right now while we're trying to even out the playing fields. 
So if you have specific questions or if you do want specific content around singleness as a topic for the podcast, I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear how this hit you, what stood out, what didn't, because it is an emotion-filled topic. And also, I will get to those other topics you sent in. I'm working on a couple of really exciting episodes, at least they're exciting for me. One is on cults, one is on purity culture, and there is one in the works on ADHD, but I am not an expert in that. So I am, I'm not an expert on cults or purity culture either, but I want to get a real expert on ADHD because, you know, seems this day, these days, everybody's an expert on TikTok when it comes to ADHD. So we're going to get somebody that I really trust and value on here to talk about that. And we will answer some of the questions that you guys have around all that is ADHD, especially in adulthood. So I hope you guys have the day you need to have, the week you need to have, the hour you need to have. I will talk to you guys again on Couch Talks and thanks for listening. Again, you can now rate on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, pretty, pretty, please give me some stars. If you haven't rated on Apple Podcasts too, we would love that. You can follow me at cat.defada on Instagram and at Unitherapy Podcast to follow the podcast. Again, have the day you need to have. Love you guys and goodbye. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.